0: Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary. This is episode 331 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. This episode is called Plenty of News. It is October 29, 2021, and this is Jen. So I'm just going to jump right into this because there was so much news between the last time I talked about Blizzard lawsuit type stuff, and now, and in between, I did a show with L'Antonio, our fourth musketeer, so if you missed that one, go check it out. It was really fun to do. As far as the news, uh, I'm going to start with the uh, thing written by Blizzard. It's a news thing on their news uh, site. And it's titled Reimagining BlizzCon. Now, we knew there would not be, or we probably predicted, there would not be an in-person BlizzCon in 2022. And we thought, maybe they'll do BlizzCon line again. Well, they're not going to. <laughs> That's not what they're doing. So I'm going to read you this relatively short uh, thing. To the Blizzard community. We've decided to take a step back and pause on planning the previously announced BlizzCon line event scheduled for early next year, so that would be 2022. This was a tough decision for all of us to make, but it's the right one. Any BlizzCon event takes every single one of us to make it happen, an entire company effort fueled by our desire to share what we create with the community we care about so much. At this time, we feel the energy it would take to put on a show like this is best directed towards supporting our teams, and progressing development of our games and experiences. Additionally, we would also like to take the time to reimagine what a BlizzCon event of the future could look like. The first BlizzCon was held 16 years ago, and so much has changed in the time since. Most notably, the multiple ways in which players and communities can come together and feel like they are part of something bigger. Whatever the event looks like in the future, we also need to ensure that it feels safe, welcoming and inclusive as possible we're committed to continual communication with our players and we see blizzcon playing a big role in that going forward we're excited about what we'll do with the event when we revisit it in the future. One more thing we wanted to make clear, even though we aren't holding BlizzCon line in February, we'll still be making announcements and updates for our games. We're proud of our teams and the progress they've made across our games. We have a lot of exciting upcoming news and releases to share with you. You will continue hearing about those through our franchise channels, with the talented people on the BlizzCon team playing a part in supporting these efforts. We miss seeing you, but don't worry, we'll be back together soon. Now, why would this be the case? If I was going to speculate, and this uh, post was written um, October 26th, so just a, just a little while ago. If I had to speculate as to why they might not be doing a BlizzCon, a BlizzCon line, uh, well, they've got a lot of lawsuits going on, and I'll catch up on that in just a bit. But also, they've kind of, it seems to me they've released a lot of stuff like Warcraft got some update and some added content with a mage tower thing that I've heard is interesting but I haven't gotten there to play it or anything but people seem to be interested in that and some other stuff that they're doing there they're working on Overwatch 2 I think they're making changes there which I'll talk about in a bit and you know this sort of thing so and with with Diablo I mean okay so We're still doing seasons in Diablo 3. We're still in season 24 at the time I'm recording this anyway. I haven't looked up for any changes. So that's a thing that, you know, with the Ethereals, which honestly I've yet to find any, but that's okay. I hope other people found them. They've released Diablo 2 Resurrected, which was something a lot of Diablo fans really wanted to play. Yes, it has some problems, but it's there. They've released the thing. And they're uh, starting to beta, beta test? Alpha Test? Alpha Test, um, Diablo Immortal, In I'll talk more about that later on. So what's left? What's left to release to make everybody go, oh my gosh. Oh, and in Hearthstone, they they have some kind of Mercenaries thing going on, which was new. So what do they have left to release in 2022? What could it be that's going to make fans just jump up and down and be like, oh my gosh, I really want to play that thing? Especially with the Diablo stuff. I mean, we kind of got everything that we were aware of, so I don't know. But the other things, of course, all the lawsuits... That are going on. Do you want to hold a BlizzCon line in amidst all of these lawsuits happening with your company? I mean, eh, you know, I feel like maybe that wasn't the case in February or whatever when we did BlizzConline before. I think it was February. On October 19, 2021, uh, Activision Blizzard put out an official post called Creating a More Accountable Workplace. And this is written by Activision Blizzard's Executive Vice President for Corporate Affairs, Fran Townsend, who clearly is still with the company. And she shared the following email update with their employees, and it's a lot. Um, so I'm just going to kind of skim it. Everyone, because that's a really way to connect with the uh, people and make them feel like they are, they matter. Just say everyone. <laughs> you know? Anyway, as one of the world's largest and most influential companies, our future depends on fostering a co- company culture where all feel safe and heard. That comes with the responsibility of earning our employees' confidence that when they speak up, we'll do the right thing. We must earn our team's confidence that when, when they speak up, they will be heard. I've been quietly listening over the last few months to your comments, concerns, and observations. I'm grateful to everyone who shared their points of view, especially those who challenged us to do better. It's important to me that you know how seriously I take this and how committed I am to the next steps we will take together and then in bold text it says we are working tirelessly to ensure that moving forward this is a place where people are not only heard but empowered we have a committed team dedicated to this work and then in bold again however in listening to feedback over the past several months it is clear that that uh, is clear to me that we need to do more with a renewed urgency. That's the bold text. We have expanded our compliance team and have even greater initiatives underway, already underway to enable meaningful improvements to our company's culture. Working with Jen Brewer and the team, we have... And she's kind of a new hire. Um, she came from... I can't remember if it was Disney but something like that uh, it was outside of the company uh, we have thoroughly evaluated our broader compliance employee relations and investigative procedures including how we handle claims and communicate with members of our team who are involved and today I would like to highlight our progress on these goals along with some changes to build a more accountable workplace and culture here's some stuff that they're they've got three key themes they're doing first do not hesitate to terminate or discipline those who violate our policies and fail to contribute to a positive culture that treats all members of our team with respect second, Be transparent, not only about our investigation, investigations, processes, but also about the actions we will take. And third, invest uh, resources and people into ethics, culture and training. And then there's a lot of details beyond that one. I'm going to read you just a little bit from the first one. Ongoing Investigations is the title of this part. Nothing is more important to me and the entirety of Activision Blizzard leadership than making sure everyone feels safe and equal in this workplace. There is no place for harassment, discrimination, or retaliation in this company. In recent months, we have received an increase in reports through various reporting channels. People are bringing to light concerns ranging from years ago to the present. We welcome these reports, and our team has been working to investigate them, using a combination of internal and external resources Sources. Based on the information received in the initial report, they are assigned into different categories, and resources are allocated to prioritize the most serious reports first. In connection with various resolved reports, more than twenty individual individuals have exited Activision Blizzard, and more than twenty individuals face other types of disciplinary action. We continue to look into any issues or reports raised through the many channels that are available, but it bears repeating and in bold print. Reports can be submitted anonymously and there is zero tolerance. Tolerance for retaliation of any kind. And then they're working on um, ethics stuff, and uh, that's part of it. Uh, ethics and compliance team leadership, and that's going to be uh, directed by Jen Brewer. Oh, it says, I'm very happy to announce the promotion of Jen Brewer to Senior Vice President Ethics and Compliance. So that's what she's doing. Uh, there's a kind of a vague uh, topic line here that says, Way to Play Heroes. These are the Ethics and compl- uh, Compliances Program's unsung heroes. Um, they volunteer their time to build bridges by helping fellow members of our team navigate their reporting options. And and it's kind of a little more details for employees. This is for employees after all investigation team resources. Um, in the past couple of months, we've already added three full-time positions to address the workload. Moving forward, we plan to scale this significantly, adding 19 full-time roles to our overall ethics and compliance team. There's an investigation team structure, and that's going to be, uh, we are combining our investigations group into one centralized unit with the central ABK ethics and compliance department, which will separate from business units and other groups like human resources or employee relations. This will allow investigators to be more efficient and coordinated. Aligned on approach and in, and enable consistent decision making, and it goes on from there. Employee relations team that's going to be run by uh, Chief People Officer Julie Hodges. Maybe she's the one from Disney. I've gotten them confused. Uh, this will be a key focus for the employee relations team: is to. Um, how you investigate concerns, and then transparency. And that one has a bold text in there. We know there's a desire to know about the outcome when misconduct is reported. Sometimes there are privacy reasons we can't share. But where we can, we will be sharing more information with you. We will also be providing you regular aggregate data about investigative outcomes. They're going to triple investment and in training resources. And that's kind of the highlights out of that. That was on the 19th. It sounds like they're doing something. I think the thing a lot of news sites picked up on was 20 people have left and 20 more have had some kind of consequence. And uh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Same day, same day, um, The Verge wrote an article titled Activision Blizzard is trying to get the discrimination suit thrown out of court. It alleges DFEH lawyers should be disqualified because of a conflict of interest. They have the entire uh, court case or the... I don't know, ex parte application to stay the case from Activision Blizzard Um, and they are, uh, we know, we know what this is for those that are just tuning in and haven't uh, been listening before. Hi, Um, Blizzard's, uh, Activision Blizzard has a bunch of lawsuits going on and they are facing a discrimination lawsuit from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. They have filed an application to stay that lawsuit so it can investigate claims that DEFH, Department of Fair Employment and Housing, lawyers engage in mythical and ethical misconduct. Wow, okay. Um, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so the application claims that the DFEH is represented in the case by lawyers who previously worked for the Equal Opportunity Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or EEOC, a federal agency, the other one's a California agency, that investigates claims of workplace abuse. The application additionally claims such an arrangement is in violation of a California State Bar Conflict of Interest Rule that says a lawyer who has formerly served as a public official or employee of the government shall not otherwise represent a client in connection with a matter in which the lawyer participated personally and substantially as a public official or employee." The application alleges that DFEH lawyers should be disqualified from participating in this case against Activision Blizzard since those lawyers previously worked on similar cases, yada, yada. So there's that. Um, Activision Blizzard recently settled on the 19th, uh, and or before the 19th. Another discrimination charge brought forth from the EEOC for $18 million. We've heard of that one, um, and I've talked about that in previous episodes. And then The Verge picked up that 20 employees blizzard employees have exited the company this kind of thing and uh so that's where we're at with that one now on uh very recently <laughs> just like a few days ago i think kotaku has an article called bobby kotak takes another pay cut comma waves arbitration in letter to staff this is part of kotak's effort to turn things around at activision blizzard so i'm going to read you some of this it's the second paragraph of this article. It says this all takes place while the enormously complicated court cases involving various departments of California and Activision Blizzard continue. Activision Blizzard are currently attempting to take advantage of a spat between the California Department of Fair and Equal Housing and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission in order to wriggle out of facing many of the allegations in court and avoid a more significant consequence than the meager $18 million fine currently in place. So Kotek has outlined five new changes the company is taking in a letter to staff. So this is different from Fran Townsend's, uh, Townsend's letter to staff. Um, so I'm going to read you through some of this. It's a bit long. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but everything I talk about will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com if you want to get the full picture or read the entire article. One, we are launching a new zero-tolerance harassment policy company-wide in the past when we discovered and substantially... Discovered and substantiated harassment. That is a weird phrase. Uh, we terminated some employees and provided verbal or written warnings or different disciplinary actions to others. In retrospect, to achieve our goals for workplace excellence, this approach is no longer adequate. We need tougher rules and consistent monitoring across the entire company to make sure reports are being handled correctly and discipline is appropriate and swift. As a result, we're implementing a zero tole- tolerance policy across Activision Blizzard that will be applied consistently. Our Our goal is to have the strictest harassment and non-retaliation policies of any employer, and we will continue to examine and tighten our standards to achieve this goal everywhere we do business. In Activision, any Activision Blizzard employee found through our new investigative processes and resources to have retaliated against, some, against anyone for making a compliance complaint will be terminated immediately. So if you are a person who has done harassment and you work for Activision Blizzard King uh, and the person you harassed filed a report with the company, whichever part they're in, and you find out because you got called in or something um, or got disciplined in some way, whatever that's going to mean, and it's a zero tolerance policy so if they find that this is actually what happened that you did you're gone poof out of there that's what they're saying will they live up to this we have yet to see but that's the plan if you retaliate if you uh, not just did you do the thing but if you did the thing and then harass the person some more about reporting the thing then you're gone and considering that um, you know Blizzard is in California I think Activision might be as well I'm not 100% sure of that there's a lot of laws in California that have to do with not harassing people in the workplace and stuff like that. So, yeah, they kind of had to do that, and I don't know why the company didn't do it in the past. To continue, um, in many other instances of workplace misconduct, we will no longer rely on written warnings. Termination will be the outcome, including in most cases of harassment based on any legally protected category. So that covers... Uh, people who are black, people who fit under the BIPOC uh, grouping, people who are LGBTQ, women, uh, non-binary people. <laughs> um, and that's under LGBTQ as well. But all of this sort of thing, marginalized groups in some way or another, that's that's it if you're harassing these people um, you're going to be fired that's what Activision well Bobby Kotak who is Activision basically is saying and then there's other uh, oh future employment contracts and equity awards will be clear termination for these reasons will result in the immediate forfeiture of future compensation so if you had something that you would get for working a certain amount of time or whatever you won't anymore if this is you and you did the thing and got fired yeah there's I'm going to skip ahead a little bit we will increase the percentage of women and non-binary people in our workforce by 50 percent and will invest 250 million dollars to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent today approximately 23 percent of our global employee population identifies as women or non-binary building on the success that king and other business units have achieved we will seek to increase our percentage of women and non-binary professionals by approximately 50 percent to more than one-third across the entire company within the next five years, and hopefully faster. Each franchise team, business unit, and functional area will be expected to have plans to help fulfill this ambition. So that's pretty exciting, because we all know that women at gaming companies tend to not be hired as often as men. When they are hired, they start with less money than men hired later that aren't as qualified in some cases. We've seen this all on Twitter with people talking about it, um, if you're on Twitter. And it's just kind of what has been happening in the past, and it looks like they're intending to change it. So it's good that they're going to increase the amount of women because I think if you have a more representative group in your workforce, that's going to be better for everybody, including the people that want to play your games. That might see some more representation. In addition, just mentioning non-binary people is really exciting to me because I'm non-binary and I've never seen a company specifically say, "Hey, we would like some more non-binary people to come work for us." I mean, that's that's pretty cool in my opinion. But in addition, this is also going to um, sort of, you know, I'm not sure if the company is. Like, did they go through a tally and kind of count up how many workers are this or that or the other and decide, wow, we don't have a whole lot of women, we need more women, and oh my, we don't really have very many non-binary people, maybe we should get some more. Um, I don't know, but that's what they're doing, and that's a step in the right direction. it continues with respect to diversity while we perform better than our peers with 30% of our US workforce from diverse or underrepresented communities, broadening this progress will continue to be a significant focus of mine, Kotex says as well as company, business unit, and franchise leadership, and they're going to invest an additional $250 million over the next 10 years in initiatives that foster expanded opportunities in gaming and technology for underrepresented communities and so there's that, they're starting an ABK Academy that includes partnerships with college technical schools and underrepresented community serving schools serving underrepresented communities mentorships for participants and a rotating apprentice program that leads to game development jobs similar to the programs that they began with the united negro college fund and management leadership for tomorrow and this is the big one coming up here based on feedback from employees we are waiving required arbitration of sexual harassment and discrimination claims for any Activision Blizzard employee who chooses not to arbitrate an individual claim of sexual harassment, unlawful discrimination, or related retaliation arising in the future, the company will waive any obligation to do so. So right now, you've got a bunch of people working for Blizzard that had to sign a contract that had an arbitration clause. And for those that don't know or don't remember, the arbitration clause always, always, always goes uh, on the side of the company not on the side of the person that was wronged so people don't like these things now why did they sign it because in some cases working for blizzard is their dream job and they don't want to nitpick immediately about an arbitration clause or because they feel like they have no choice so when you have an arbitration clause if you are abused in some way in the workplace that uh, is legally not okay then You can't go get a lawyer. You can't go get a lawyer and sue the company. You can't go get a lawyer and sue whoever your abuser might be. You can't take it to court yourself. You have to go through an arbitration clause. And this means you get to talk to somebody high up in the company who is represented by a lawyer from a company that generally uh, is not in favor of employees, and so you get screwed. So that's huge that they're waiving the arbitration clause for sexual harassment and discrimination claims because right now there's probably a lot of people who are stuck with that clause so for them to waive it and say no we're not going to do it that way that's a good sign and in addition in the in the future the company will waive any obligation to do so to to they're taking away the required arbitration thing and that's huge that's really really huge and then there's a couple more things in here but these are the big ones these are really the big ones oh there is one more in here so they have a chief administrative officer named brian budolato uh it turns out that abk has a difficulty about pay equity, which I've kind of mentioned. Um, and it says uh, that he's going to continue foc- to focus on pay equity for employees. In fact, their uh, Kotech says, our U.S. analysis showed that women at the company on average earned slightly more than men for comparable work in 2020 to ensure transparency on our continuing commitments to pay equity. We will report these results annually. So they're going to like make sure that they're paying attention to who got hired, how much, what's their job rate supposed to be? How did they, how much money did they get compared to others in that, you know, that kind of thing. And so there's that. So that's kind of a big deal, but he also took a pay cut. I don't see that in here, but apparently he has taken a pay cut. So there's a Twitter account called A Better ABK. And on October twenty they mentioned this and, um, they tagged, uh, let's see, Blizz Planet for that one, who had some information about what I just read. And ABK says, today was a huge win for ABK Workers Alliance. Forced arbitration has been removed for cases that deal in sexual harassment and discrimination. The company announced it will raise the number of women and non-binary people it employs by 50%. Bobby Kotek also announced he'll be taking a major pay cut. This is what happens when we work together to create a better future for game devs in our company. Together, we will continue to push for other changes that need to be made so that we can make a better ABK, So that's pretty cool. They got at least one of their things. Um, they continue while today was a huge win for us. We remain vigilant and continue to push for other industry practices that need to change. We will stand firm by our demand that the investigation will be uh, must be done by an unbiased third party of which Wilmer Hale is not one. And that's That's a whole thing. I think they've been described as union busters and things like that. ABK continues. We continue to push for light to be shed on other industry practices like crunch, which can be especially harmful to the health of game devs and especially the health of disabled and chronically ill game devs. And we continue to give our unwavering support to our colleagues across the industry who are also pushing for change. And they mention a better Ubisoft that started up after a better ABK and they are pushing for similar things. Uh, Still has demands that are not being met. Together, we will be the change. So that's pretty cool. There's also some commentary on that. Um, Going from the Wowhead account, which there's a blurb here because Wowhead tweeted about it on the 28th. It says, CEO Bobby Kotek announced new commitments being made by Activision Blizzard, including waived arbitration, increased diversity hiring, and a pledge to cut his own salary and bonuses to the California minimum of $62,500 until changes have been achieved. That's a lot of money, but at least he's it didn't feel right to me to have the CEO of the company where all this is going on, where things hadn't been done properly. Uh, and it for a while, seemed like nothing would be done at all about it. Um, to make a just ton of money beyond anyone else. Now I know CEOs get paid better, but it's good. He took a pay cut. That's a good idea, you know? So that's in there. And, um, someone responds to this and, uh, I'll, I might put it in the notes. Uh, on the website and this person says it doesn't really matter if we fill a bunch of IC roles with women if the abusive structures are still in place and there's a lack of third party checks on that power a one time sweep of old HR cases isn't systemic change either now that's these are people's opinions you know Um, uh, Blizz Jess who I've put into the show in the notes Re- responds to uh, Blizz Planet who says it seems like most of at a better ABK's four demands have been acknowledged and committed in today's Kotech letter to in- to investors. Is this correct? And he asked Blizz Jess about it. She responded, "This is a great start, but there's still work to do. I would like Bobby's base salary to be across the board for our QA slash CS and contractors. We can lead the charge as an industry standard. Victories and still pushing. And then we have." Uh, another person who is a senior uh, UI engineer for WoW and Blizzard Entertainment and is non-binary, and wrote this. Today, Activision Blizzard committed to ending forced arbitration and to increasing the percentage of women and non-binary people at our company to 33% within five years. This is a huge step forward, and there's a thread following that. And we have another um, Kotaku article that's kind of... It's not actually part of the lawsuit stuff, But it is about ex-Blizzard employees. So this is called Former World of Warcraft Devs Start Studio, where the only female staffer is a dog. Literally, is a dog. Um, So it's Notorious Studios, which... Do you really want to go with that name? (laughs) considering i mean who planned that that's oh my notorious for what what have you been doing that kind of thing ex-blizzard developers who started notorious studios seem to have exactly zero women on their development team the staff page shows nine developers and two advisors all of which are men and one canine quote chief morale officer named ellie which means that the studio has more dogs than women yikes notorious studios is an rpg studio made entirely of former blizzard developers most of whom worked on world of Warcraft, and then it mentions uh, some of the legal stuff going on with um, Blizzard, and uh, it says that Blizzard confirmed that at least 21% of their employees were women, in uh, in a report from 2017, so presumably the founder of this notorious studios had met at least a couple of women who were skilled enough to work at one of the highest profile video game companies in the world, he just didn't hire any of them to be part of the founding team. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, in an interview with VentureBeat, Notorious Studios co-founder uh, Kalakai announced that... Uh, Blizzard faces a major reckoning for gender discrimination and sexual harassment. He said that the all-male team was also affected by Blizzard's troubles and offered a solution for avoiding their former employer's mistakes. Uh, Quote, what's important is starting a culture and having no tolerance for harassment and things like that and also being transparent and open. He added that Notorious Studios has a flatter structure made up of people who wrote code, made art, and designed pieces of games rather than serving as leads or directors. Harassment usually comes from a subordinate-superior sort of relationship. We're hoping that a flatter structure can address some of those problems he said in the interview and the writer of the Kotako article says it's definitely a lot harder for men to harass women if there are no women to harass you know it's like what were you guys doing and then naming it notorious studios i mean <laughs> notorious is not like a positive word you want attached to things but okay moving on vicarious visions they uh helped blizzard to make d2 resurrected on top of the original d2 Uh, Polygon has an article from the 27th of October. Vicarious Visions will drop its name and fully merge with Blizzard, sources say. The merger was announced early in 2021 but workers were told Wednesday about the name change. So Activision Blizzard informed Vicarious Vision employees Wednesday that the studio would lose its name as part of its ongoing merger with Blizzard Entertainment, sources told Polygon. Now I don't know about sources sometimes it's like maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it kind of makes sense. You know, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, Vicarious Vision workers told Polygon that they were initially under the impression the merger meant their employer would continue to operate as its own studio... Uh, vicarious visions would although it was owned by blizzard the news about the name drop came during a town hall meeting on wednesday morning a new name for the studio has not yet been announced but some workers speculated it could simply be called blizzard albany vicarious visions office is located in albany new york blizzard typically uses this naming convention for its satellite offices for example blizzard austin in texas um so there's that Most of the vicarious vision employees who spoke to Polygon said they aren't necessarily surprised by the announcement. With one noting that the writing was on the wall, but at least one worker was disappointed by the lack of transparency and sudden announcement during a light and quick meeting on what employees described as a costume day. I don't know what a costume day is. Uh, Some employees were dressed in Halloween costumes during the call. Okay, so that's what they did, and there's a lot more in here if you want to find out more about that. Over on the Warcraft side of things, they have been making changes. You've probably heard about some of these changes. The one that that i think might uh, be noteworthy to a lot of people who play diablo games is they've removed the name of gorge the corpse grinder from world of warcraft and that name is a reference to a real person gorge the corpse grinder is now an uh, annihilator grec but the character looks the same as far as i can tell um so it's named after the lead vocalist of the death metal band cannibal corpse george corpse grinder fisher the reason they're moving him out is because uh that reference to him, he's now, the character is now Annihilator Grecklor. Apparently, uh, Corpse Grinder was infamous for his profanity-laced tirade against Alliance players in a 2007 interview, epitomizing the faction divide between the Alliance and Horde in a bombastic and insensitive way. This comes from Wowhead. Uh, though not out of character for a band which has been subject to obscenity controversy since its inception, he was honored with an NPC reference in 2008's Wrath of the Lich King, likely due to several senior developers of the time being noted fans of heavy metal genre music. Now, I like heavy metal, but I can see why they might want to remove this one specifically. There's a little bit of background on that in here. During BlizzCon 2011, he was invited on stage alongside with real-life elite tour and chieftain band made up of Blizzard employees Samwise Didier, Chris Sigati, Dave Bergeron, Alan uh, Debris. Uh, D- Dabiri and Mike Morheim, while and while the guest appearance drew criticism over introducing the musician with a censored clip from the same interview that Wowhead had previously mentioned, uh, promoting an apology from the band as well as a follow-on apology from then CEO Mike Morheim. The NPC reference remained, but now it's gone. And there is a, if you want to read the um, apology from Morheim, it's there in the Wowhead article. There's some other stuff that changed in World of Warcraft as well. Moving on to Overwatch. Uh, there's a couple of things going on here. So first, they have announced on October 22 that if you play Overwatch and you've got uh, you have a battle tag name that you'd like to change, you can do so. And uh, so it's a limited time. You got to do it, let's see, starting on October 22 and continuing through November 5th, 2021, all players will be offered a free battle tag name change. This applies to anyone who does not currently have a free name change available. Existing name changes will not stack for future use. Um, So they're not going to take the name and like let other people get it, I guess. Uh, Players can request a name change through a a link on the form, uh, a, a form That has been linked to in this thing. You'll receive a notification once your request has been processed. Please allow up to four weeks for processing. Okay, so this is a good thing just in general. Because, you know, if you started playing Overwatch and you were, you know younger and you made a goofy name maybe you want something that represents you a bit better now but in addition if you started playing overwatch and you used some kind of a gendered name in some way but now you're not that gender anymore you figured out who you are maybe you want to change that or maybe you used part of your you know uh name that was on your birth certificate, and kind of don't want that there anymore. You know, that would help a lot of people, so I think that's a good thing, but it is limited time, and it's for people who don't already have a free battle tag name change, which implies to me, maybe you do get a freebie. Um, I, I don't know, but that's kind of a thing. If you want to take advantage of that, you got a short amount of time to do it, and speaking of name changes, um, so... Uh, The cowboy character in Overwatch was named Jesse McCree, who is literally named after a Warcraft uh, developer that um, uh, was part of the Cosby suite. And I'll leave you to look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. But... um, Yeah, so they've been taking references to his name out as well as some others that were involved in that. And so now the cowboy who is voiced by Matthew Mercer from Critical Role, by the way, um, which I think is kind of cool. The new name is Cole Cassidy, and there's going to be a little story arc that changes the name, and so that's kind of cool. So, you know, while they're changing the name of their cowboy in Overwatch, you can change your name on Battle.net, too, if you want to, (laughs) I suppose. Um, yeah, so, uh, McCree will be renamed Cole Cassidy on October 26th. So, and it, there's this, this is an article I'm reading from Engadget. It says the name change comes in the aftermath of California's sexual harassment lawsuit against the company. And it basically says that, um, you know, he's not Jesse McCree anymore because, well, we know why. And so he's Cole Cassidy now, which is interesting in a number of ways, but there you go. And it looks like they're going to, um, they're going to Blizzard's gonna do a couple of changes. They're going to they might uh, tweak his Deadeye ultimate skill to make it more deadly and allow players to use his combat role in mid-air. The latter change should help avoiding vertical knockback abil- abilities from heroes like Doomfist and Wrecking Ball. So they're gonna like boost him up, I guess. Nine ball did a West March workshop. Uh, it looks like it is it's labeled West March Workshop. 218.5, talking about um, what I mentioned last time. I don't know if he just didn't change the name of it on Twitch or not, but it's uh, about an hour long, and um, you can check it out. I haven't had time to do it yet. It looks like... You no, know, that's a different one. What is this one? Let's see. Two days ago, Westmarch Workshop... Uh, well, two days ago might be misleading, because I've left this browser open for a while. Um, yeah, 2.8.5, quarter uh, October 2021 quarterly dev update, so maybe he split it into two parts. But... Westwatch Workshop is always interesting to listen to and I try to catch it when I can. I didn't catch this one, but I try. Uh, moving on we have of course the announcement of the Diablo Immortal closed beta overview and I'll make this really uh, succinct and you can read whatever you want about that starting on October 28th select participants in Canada and Australia will journey back to Sanctuary in Diablo Immortal Uh, additionally they will be expanding closed beta access to users in South Korea Japan and China at a later time they are introducing the Necromancer class which a lot of people wanted and I think would be fun to try out not in this because i'm not in canada or australia or any of those other countries right now yeah so there's going to be new challenging pve encounters epic battles to become the immortal and controller support and more uh there's been a trailer released for this and the new class of course they're highlighting the necromancer and the interesting thing they did with this is they showed several necromancers or a couple of necromancers that look different because if um i don't know if I don't know how many of you have been paying attention to Diablo Immortal, but um, you—if you pick a class, it's either male or well, you can be male or female, and then you can pick from one of three different looks for your character. And when I was in the, I think it was the closed alpha or something, uh, or maybe it's the open alpha—I don't know, whatever it was—I got into. Um, you could play as... You could have your character look white. You could have your character look black. You could have your character look Asian. And that's a lot bigger choice than you get in Diablo 3. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And so there's, you know, male and female of each class in here. Unlike Diablo 2, where it's one, one gender for this class, and that's all. And that's fine. So there's some stuff they're introducing. There's a Circle of Strife update. There's some PvP updates. There's set items that they're highlighting in here. There's going to be enhanced item drops. And then uh, there's a heliquary update, which is interesting because it's my understanding that you go to that thing and then you unlock it and fight a monster with as many people as you want to bring in. There's going to be controller support. This is huge, okay? We've heard players loud and clear, and our long-term goal is to provide the full controller support for Diablo Immortal. For those that don't know, this is an app game, so you're either playing it on a phone or a tablet. Whoever wrote to this said that we're not there yet. There is much more work. more work to do. The closed beta will give players an early preview of this functionality. This early look at controller support will allow the use of a controller to navigate around the world and engage in combat with monsters. This early controller support comes with some major caveats. The closed beta does not include controller support for UI menus such as inventory skills, codecs, paragon, or vendors. You will still need to use the touchscreen to navigate the UI screens. Not all controllers are supported. Device compatibility is part of our testing goals during closed beta. You may experience some technical difficulties such as controller disconnection. Here's the supported controllers for the closed beta. This obviously is subject to change. Xbox One Wireless Bluetooth Controller, Xbox Series X or S Bluetooth Controller, Xbox Elite Controller Series 2, Xbox Adaptive Controller, Sony DualShock 4 and Razer Kishi think that's it there's some other changes in here so i'll i'll leave you to that to uh check out all of those things going on and the diablo account's been busy on twitter um they did post the trailer the beta trailer for the necromancer and they uh the descriptor that they gave this tweet was the closed beta is coming and a familiar rotting face resides with it and they put the little skull emoji because it's the necromancer which is pretty cool we've got one that highlights a couple of the it's a 10 second thing and it's got a necromancer in it and it says ready your undead army and it's got the zombie icon whoever's running the diablo account is doing such a good job and then um people notice from the uh the video that the necromancer's hair is red now, we're used to seeing the necromancer as a much older guy with, or, or girl if you're playing Diablo 2. Um, I'm sorry, Diablo 3. Uh, I think Diablo 2, it's, it's a guy, uh, which is fine. But he's like a little bit, you know, older, I guess, or something. Or definitely in Diablo 3, he's older. And this necromancer has long flowing red hair and uh it seems a lot of people were kind of surprised by this and were commenting on it and so diablo immortal has a little tiny 17 second clip of this character with the red hair and uh they wrote to this that the necromancer's hair has entered the chat because apparently that's a thing if you're looking for more uh stuff max Roll has you covered they have um They've got a, a whole bunch of stuff about Diablo Immortal. They've unleashed this recently. I know Dread Scythe had something to do with this, and he's really good at this sort of thing. So it's going to be a lot of really helpful information, but it's their whole section now is on Diablo Immortal Overhaul. They did one for D2, if I'm remembering correctly. So if you need help with stuff, th- that's a really good source to help you out through what, whichever Diablo game you're playing um and then there's let's see um okay so in addition Diablo the Diablo account has been having fun with Halloween and posting some really weird tweets so the one that I like the best is this one sanctuary trick or treat Mephisto chewy magnets and they've got this little purple worm next to that Diablo crunchy skulls and there's the skeleton the skull you know there Tyrael hard candy soul stones and there's like a diamond there uh Duriel your old corpse there's a little coffin and Decker Kane a long tail and it's a picture of a silhouette of someone speaking <laughs> and then asks who are you visiting and people have responded you know so um, I just thought that was kind of funny like what would they be handing out for Halloween and then in a reference to Diablo 2 uh, they wrote this, how to summon Diablo, and they have a pumpkin and a flame emoji. Step one, face east. Step two, light a candle. Step three, pledge your soul to darkness. Which is <laughs> kind of funny. And then the one that cracked me up the most, it's got a picture of the den of evil. They've described this tweet, with they've got a picture here, and the tweet says, the den of evil was just, was cleared just two weeks ago, and there's a character it might be the crusader um and he's standing in front of the den of evil and someone has posted over it one of those banners that says spirit halloween <laughs> because it was cleared out so there we go <laughs> you know And I don't know if they do this in other countries, but in the United States, you see a lot of these spirit Halloween shops pop up in empty buildings or empty uh, spaces that used to have some kind of shop in them where they're trying to sell you all the Halloween stuff. And I just thought it was kind of funny. I found a video, a YouTube video actually from someone named, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, uh, Lex, Lexu, something like that. And he had a video where he was playing the Berserk Barbarian in Diablo II Resurrected and just got all of this like really interesting loot with you know and was pretty excited about it. And I love seeing people excited about the game they're playing. So I'll put that into the show notes as well. So you can go watch it. Um, in addition, we have some tweets from uh, Phil Skank, who was a game designer, artist, entrepreneur, former lead. He's, he's probably still those things above, but former lead artist and lore builder for Diablo two and LOD. So he's got some sketches of uh, Mephisto, Mephisto, And what they were thinking about in terms of what should this character look like? How should he move? This kind of thing. And then it kind of shows like different versions of it. And then what the model looked like and how this all works. And it's pretty cool. So you can check that out if you want to. Uh, In addition, Maxwell also has uh, for Diablo 2... Uh, valuable, unique, and set items written by BT Neanderthal1, it seems. And so this is where you want to look to see what's tradable, what the value is, what it does, all these different things. It's a good list of stuff. And they've got them split up into high value, medium value, and low value, so you can kind of have an idea if you're trying to trade or whatever. And then there's situational value, where you need it for something specific, and it's got a lot of stuff. So if you want to know you know, this piece of loot you found, is it any good? This might be a, a good place to start. Uh, PC Games also has uh, put together an article, Diablo 2 Resurrected Rune Words list, all the rune combinations, and they just have a huge list, and it'll tell you uh, what you need to uh, put together and what it does if you get the right runes, which I wish I would have seen earlier because I had a couple of them and I don't think I did anything good with them. Um, and then PC Games also has Diablo 2 Resurrected Her Roger Cube recipes. So they're all in here. Shows you where to find the cube, what the consumable items are, the equipment, what runes, you know, all this other stuff. So it's a lot of information and you can use that to make your gaming experience better and I think that's everything at the moment so I'm going to end the show here, close it out. You have been listening to episode 331 of the Shattered Soulstone your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience find the discord invitation link on our twitter and facebook page as well as at the shattered soulstone website this show is powered by you the listener send in your thoughts contributions questions and feedback to our twitter at shattered stone or facebook facebook facebook.com shattered soulstone thank you for listening